Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church on this uh, Labor Day weekend. We're so glad you have all uh, decided to join us. My name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here, and today we are wrapping up this series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we've spent the last few weeks uh, looking at our thought life and trying to get to the bottom of partly why do we think the thoughts that we think, and then why do they lead us in direction, even directions that we don't want to go. And so we've been digging into the scripture and ultimately looking to God for help. Like, what, what do we do with these, these thoughts that can tend to, to plague us and harm us and maybe just lead us down this, this spiral? And so I hope uh, if you've been here, this has been a, a help to you. And I just want to recap uh, where we've been. We've spent four weeks, and today is the fifth and final week, and we're talking about staying alert. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the spiritual dimension of our thoughts and what are some other things that, that are in play as we, as we battle the things that we think about, the things that happen in our heart, in our, in our minds, and kind of everything uh, in between. So uh, if you're new to Ridgeview, we always have a listening guide every week. And in your program, you can open that up. And this is designed uh, to help you track. Uh, the scriptures are always on there. And then I encourage you, if, if you're a note-taking person, uh, if you take notes, and even if you're not, if you take notes, that tends to actually help you remember. Uh, there's something about pen to paper, which actually kind of uh, triggers in your, your mind uh, like a memory of something. And so uh, take notes, that's there uh, for you. Uh, but let's, let's review just where we've been uh, the last few weeks. The first is uh, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. And so if you want to know partly where you are in life, look at your life. That actually is a picture of the things that are important to you. Uh, it's also a picture of the things that you tend to think about. And so if you want to know the outcome of where things are, just look at your life, and that's connected to, to your thoughts. A second, winning the war in our mind begins in our heart. It's not just a function of the brain. There's things going on in our heart which drive us. They direct us. It's like the cockpit of our life. And we're driven by our thoughts based on our perspective, how we see things, and then also our values, like what's really important to us. And then that actually leads us to action. And all this is going on all the time, a lot of times without us even realizing. Next, we look at that we have to learn uh, to direct our thoughts in the right direction. That is, our thinking is not neutral. It's usually either moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. And so if you're not sure, that's something you really want to take inventory of. And, and God helps us with that. And then last week, uh, we talked about that God gives us peace and protection uh, as we turn to him for help. There's something about thinking something that you may think, where did that come from and why did I think that? That should be a trigger. And if, as you, you feel fear or, or overwhelmed or concern, that should be this like something in me, something going on. I need to ask God for help. And as we turn to God for help, he actually uh, brings it. And so I hope uh, this series has helped you kind of realize, again, what's going on and then what you need to do. And so today I hope to give just further instruction from the scripture of, of what's actually uh, at stake. And our minds and the things that we think about, like we've talked about for the last four weeks, they really do impact us. And you may have been thinking about things a certain way your whole life, ever since you can remember. And the question is, what if you've not been thinking about it in the right way. Like, what's the damage of that? How does that impact you? It doesn't matter if you're young or old. 
we have to take an inventory and ask, like, is this the right thinking? So what I want to do is I kind of want to uh, go a little bit 30,000 feet and talk kind of about some things that, that we don't necessarily talk a lot about, especially in our, our country, and that is the spiritual uh, dimension. Uh, if you've ever been to another country, especially in the East or Southeast, in Asia, like, they talk a lot about uh, spirit, the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is real. Uh, again, it's something that because uh, our focus in the West is so much on science and reason, uh, most don't know what to do with the spiritual realm. Most actually don't know what to do with God. And therefore, what you see in our educational institutions and what you see in science and philosophy and most of psychology is that there is no God. And therefore, humans, we just have to reason and be logical and figure out life on our own. The problem with that is related to your thoughts, what do you do when your resources run out? And what do you do when you don't know what to do with your thinking and with your life and when you get stuck? And so for me, a lot of things are theory until you actually really are in trouble. And so today I hope to give you kind of some perspective of like wherever you are, if you feel stuck, you'll have a sense of like how, how will God uh, meet you? And so I want to just start with this overarching thought, and it's helpful to keep in mind, and it's this, is Christ followers are in a spiritual war. And the thing about this war is it doesn't matter if you agree with that or not, it's happening, and it's real. And so the key is, if, if it is real and it is happening, what does that mean uh, for me? And if you're a Christ follower, you actually have to have a war-type mentality like, this is a battle, and that's why it's called winning the war in our mind. There's some things going on that this is, like, this is a, a fight. It's easy uh, to forget this. But Ephesians chapter 6 uh, is a chapter in the Scripture which talks about putting on this armor as a Christ follower. Like, when you commit your life to follow Christ, you now enter this, this war. Now, before you're a Christian, if you're investigating what it means, the war is still going on. But actually, what the Scriptures say is you are a prisoner of the darkness. That is, like, you're in chains to your own sin. You're in chains to your problems. And what you need is, is the grace of Jesus Christ to release you, to free you, to give you sight, to allow you to see for the first time. That's why we exist as a church. We want to help all those enslaved to the darkness to experience the light of Jesus. And that's what we work for. That's what we labor for. That's what we pull our resources in. That's what we train for. We want to help. But if you're a Christ follower, you're, you're actually on the front lines. And you, you have a role to play. And this is what it says in Ephesians 6. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Meaning there's more that's going on than just what we see here on this earth. That is, if there's a complex problem or there's a conflict... There's the things that are going on right here and right now, and there's other things going on as well. Very helpful to remember. For our struggle uh, is not just against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What you're listening to right there and reading is this cosmic war, and this war has existed. A Satan is the enemy of God. And in our culture, uh, we hear about him. Um, he exists, and you, you kind of see movies about him, and people uh, sing about him, and something about darkness. Do you remember growing up, and you would have like a cartoon, and somebody's making a decision, and you remember the two things on the, the, the shoulder, 
right? What, what was, like, the evil was always what? The devil, and he had, like, red and thorns and, like, a tail and, like, a, what, like a pitchfork. You don't want to listen to him. And then on the other hand, you maybe have, like, God or an angel, and it's telling you, like, this is the way of the light, and this is the way of darkness, and which will you listen to? Well, as a kid, that's actually a helpful a picture that there's some things at play as you're making decisions. But what this is saying is, like, there's actually been this war that's going on, and it's not even connected to our authorities here on this earth. And Satan, the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, whatever term you use, uh, he uh, was an angel, opposed God, wanted power for himself, and had a legion of other angels that wanted the same thing, and they were thrown out of heaven. And those angels are now demons, and there's Satan who is the leader of them all. You guys awake yet? All right, we're getting into it. But this is helpful because we don't talk about it a lot, but the scriptures say, listen, there's things going on, there's authorities going on, there's a struggle going on, and there's a war, and you're fighting or you're not. And the reason I, this is so important is because there is going to be things that you and I face, there's going to be things that our church faces, there's going to be things that your kids face and their kids will face. This is a generational issue for us. This goes on and on in the battle rages. The good news is God has already won, and we have hope. Because when Jesus died on the cross, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but when Jesus died on the cross, that was the victory that sealed the fate of the evil one. But he's going to do all he can to mess you up, to mess me up, to mess our church up. And he's wreaking havoc among the nations of this earth. And we're seeing this played out again and again. So if you're an unbeliever, this may freak you out like, ah, I don't know if I want this. But if you're in the dark, what you need is to see. And you don't want to be a slave. You want to be free. And so if you're a Christ follower, what you do with Jesus is the most important decision you can make. Because he gives you freedom from sin. He breaks the shackles. He removes you from the darkness. And so you need to consider Jesus. You need to take him seriously. What do I do with him? Will I follow him? Will I learn more about him? Will I reject him? All those are, are very important that you have to sort. And if you are a Christ follower, uh, the enemy is going to try to get you off track again and again and again. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, why does this happen? Well, why is there a war? Well, Romans 10.9 describes it. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. This is the moment that you are removed from darkness into light, from the shackles of sin to freedom of grace. This is the moment that, that it happens. And notice it's that if you confess Jesus is Lord, what that means is you're saying that I have a new boss, I have a new king and a new kingdom that I will follow. It's not just the kingdom of this world. I'm not just going to give myself to all the important things that the earth and the people of the earth say is important. I'm giving myself to this king, this eternal king, the almighty king. And he's going to be my ruler. He's going to be my boss and his word, the scriptures will guide my life. Doesn't mean I'm going to be without pain and frustration and struggles, but I'm confessing, I'm, I'm settling like he is the one that I want to, to follow. God raised him from the dead, Jesus, and I'm going to follow him because he saved me. 
He paid the price for my sin. And you're on the front line because Satan does not want the kingdom of light to advance. So in the cosmic war that's going on, there's this kind of picture of like, as soon as you decide to follow Christ, you now have freedom, you now can see, and you're in the front line of also a war. So now you have to fight. Sometimes, I don't know, Christianity's painted this picture like, I just, I need help, which is true, and I need God to lead me, which is true. And it just kind of feels like I became a Christian and then like life, life was great. It actually is, yes, you became a Christian. Yes, you have hope. Yes, you can see. Now put on your battle fatigues and get ready to fight. We don't talk about that, but that is the reality that's going on. And as Christians, we we have to realize that this is a battle. We're proclaiming war against darkness. And there's a lot of wars and there's a lot of conflicts, and we've seen that play out right now. But if you follow Christ and you decide to give your life fully to him, you become a part of the greatest battle that's ever been fought. And God will raise you up to make a difference in this world. If you want your life to count, fight the battle against the darkness. And God will use you in mighty ways to rescue people and to give hope. So because of this reality, we must stay alert to the enemy's schemes. Uh, This is why today's message is called Staying Alert. It's the idea of like we have to recognize this and wake up to this. And the scriptures give us some help, and this is like a really helpful uh, passage for me. We're going to spend just two verses on this, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. And listen to uh, the perspective here. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. So I, I don't think I've ever had an intro of a sermon like this where I'm just like, let's get to it. There's Satan. He's hunting you down right? But, but the idea is, what the scripture is saying is like, be sober-minded, uh, have an accurate view, view of life. Like, there's just times where we actually, we need to wake up. And, and that's what's saying, be watchful. And I'm going to talk about this. And it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So is he playing? No. Can we play? No. There's a lot at stake with our life. I just want to briefly describe a little bit more of the devil. He's a personal, spiritual being. He's in active rebellion uh, against God. Um, There's never a point in which he will not rebel against God. Uh, He hates God. He hates those who follow God. He has leadership of many demons like himself. Uh, In the scriptures, he's, he's called a slanderer. Anytime... Uh, someone's name is being slandered, uh, the devil is just so excited. That's who he is. Uh, He's a liar. Anytime lies are being spread, the devil is so excited. That's who he is. Uh, He's a false accuser. Anyone who has ever been falsely accused of something, if you've been falsely accused of something, the devil is delighted at those things. He has ability and the propensity to attack and harm Christians. What that means is there's a target on you And he will not take that target off of you because you're a Christ follower, because you've confessed that Jesus is your Lord. He will come against you. 
Uh, In this scripture, he's described as prowling. He's ready to attack when the opportunity arises. He is the predator, and, and we're the prey. And to devour, when it says to devour, it literally means to swallow up something whole. The idea is he wants to take you out and me out and our church out completely. This is not one of those like little dog that, you know, they like maybe like little yip, like bite. Oh, they're playing. No, he will snap you in half. He's not described as like a cute dog. He's described as a lion. Uh, here's, here's a video. Watch a lion that's prowling some uh, zebras. You guys didn't know we were going to get Nature Channel either today, by the way. Watch him. Just watch. Or her, sorry. I was really tempted to like go full on like graphic <laughs> advisory. I thought, you know what? Let's just spare people and their nightmares. But m- most of the attacks, like again, they're they're real, right? Like the lion isn't just like let's go on a run. The lion is let's kill. That's why they're prowling. And if you see the lion, it's like crouching. Notice the zebras are going one way, and he's looking at them from a different direction, waiting. And then the attack is on. The scripture does not mince words, describing as a lion because of the strategy of the attack. Like, it, it's strategic and it's effective, and the enemy wants to come. And so the scriptures say because of this, because of the devil, who he is and what he does, he prowls and he devours. You need to be sober-minded. We've talked about this, actually, in this series. Uh, here's a definition of being sober-minded. Be, uh, go to the next uh, slide there. Sober-minded is a spiritual alertness to our thoughts, focus. Uh, We want to focus on the truth of the Bible over pursuing the things of this world. So there's a spiritual alertness, meaning like what you're thinking about being sober-minded means, have I actually taken an inventory on whether that is true? I was thinking about this in my own life, and you guys are probably like me, but do you realize how many things you think about that may not be true? I think about that a lot. You know how many times I'm thinking about the future and what's going to happen? Do I know the future? No. Can it be true? I don't know, but I don't know, so it's definitely not true for sure because it's the future. And so the idea of being sober-minded is the opposite of like this intoxication, and that is just strongholds, lies about who you are, about how the world works. These are strongholds even about how you view God. So many of us have a messed up self-image. A lot of that's because of lies you've been given. And the same is for me. A lot of you have a messed up image of God because of lies that you've been given. The same is with me. And so what, what Peter is saying is, you, anytime you're thinking about something that's not true, according to what God's word says, it's just it's drinking that hard stuff, and you're just getting a little bit impaired. You can't quite see. You don't quite know how to move forward. And the way that you get sober 
The way that you get straight is you read God's word, the truth. That's why scripture says it sets you free. You're not tied to this intoxication of lies. God's word. I have a mentor that talks about the importance of a quiet time, and he says, you know, when you have a quiet time, it's like you're on a prairie. You know, you're on a prairie, and there's maybe some trees here or there, and maybe you're camping, and you have a fire, and the fire keeps the, the predators out. And your quiet time, spending time with the Lord, reading the scriptures, praying, asking God for help with what you face, that's like feeding the fire. You're putting wood on the fire. It's growing, and it's active. But as soon as you start just drifting from God's word, maybe consuming more social media than you are his word, maybe listening to other people and experts except for him, like what tends to happen is the fire begins to die down. And then as you look out, all of a sudden you see all these little beady eyes in the darkness. Why? Because the fire's going out and now they come in. So the more mature you become as a Christian, you realize that there's certain things that aren't optional in the same way. If this is a war, then I have to keep getting ready for battle. If you're fighting, you're not skipping training because the stakes are so high. And this is what the scripture is saying. is like, this isn't just about flesh and blood. There's stuff going on. You need to be trained. You need to be ready. That's what it means to be sober-minded. Then the next word is we, we have to be watchful because of the devil, the adversary. And watchful means this, to be fully awake on alert. I'm not watchful before coffee. That's how I equate that. If you're a coffee drinker, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But to be fully awake, it's like this alertness, like you're not drowsy. It's also an idea of like you're not naive to what's happening. You're not just acting like it's not true. You know that there's some things going on. You need to be aware. Uh, When I was a kid, I was in Texas, and I grew up in England, and some of you know this, and I... Remember, when I was in Texas, I was probably in second grade, and I saw people uh, across the street from where I lived playing tetherball. I'd never seen tetherball in my life. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. It's a ball on a string that breaks your arm if you miss it and wraps around and cuts the circulation off and your hand falls off. That's what I thought. And there's a pole, and two people are hitting it. And I'm, I'm like walking on my street, and I'm like, what kind of a sport is this? And I was so intrigued that I'm just watching it and watching it. Before I knew it, I had fallen and I landed in a bed of cactus. Thank you, God. Wow, I feel like that was healing. Um, and another thing I didn't realize, in Texas, they have ideas like, let's take out slabs of the concrete sidewalk and let's put cactus in the middle. A lot of people want to go to Texas, but I say No. They put cactus in there. Just kidding. I'm not kidding. They did that. But anyways, uh, so I, I fell in, and I literally pulled myself out, and I, I'm just like <laughs> crying, and I'm looking, and I literally have just thorns. And I go home, and like a classic mom answer, what did you do? Well, mom, I just thought it'd be fun to jump in some cactus, you know? And so my mom just spends the next hour just with tweezers pulling out every single one of those thorns. And I'll never forget that story. The reason is, first time I discovered tetherball, but that's not the main lesson. The second is, that's what it means to not be watchful. I was totally distracted. I was not looking where I was going. And I was enamored. And that's what what happens. Like, in this world, 
uh, there's all sorts of things and strategies and what people say is important. Like, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, and, and as Christ followers, it's like we're getting enamored with like, wow, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're getting. And what we fail to realize is like we are distracted and we're off track and we're literally going to fall into a pit. And so when the scriptures say you be watchful, it means you stay on the track that God has you for. You keep your eyes in front. You don't go to the side. Comparison. Comparing what other people are doing, it just takes us off track and we fall into traps. In fact, if you struggle with comparison, the enemy does that. Do you see that person? Look at what they're doing. Doesn't that look so amazing? Oh, yeah. And little you know, he's just laying out cactus for you everywhere. So to be watchful, you got to be fully awake. You got to be alert. So some of the things that can distract us, see if any of these relate to you. We get caught in trivial issues. Do you get fired up about things at the end when you realize it don't necessarily matter? Another things we get distracted by, we just rely on our own reasoning and resources. Do you ever spend so much time trying to figure out what you're supposed to do and it doesn't make sense, you keep trying to think more about it, you keep thinking more about it, before you know it, you're stressed out, and you're just mulling and mulling, and you just realize, like, what am I doing? And it doesn't add up. Like, you want to make changes, you don't know how you're going to make changes, you're looking at your resources, you don't know how you have enough. You spend so much time just looking at yourself and your circumstances, you're just spinning out of control. That's the opposite of being watchful. You get distracted. Another is we look for help and hope in other places other than God and his word. So easy to be enamored by other things for all of us. doesn't matter if you've been a Christian, non-Christian, long time, short time, like all sorts of things to vie for your attention. So what Peter is saying is you need to sober up. You need to think about what's true. And then you need to be watchful. You need to be alert. Pay attention. There's always traps being laid for you. A few years ago, I was at Universal Studios as a family, and we were in line, and some of the kids had to go to rest, the restroom. And so my wife, Samantha, took our kids to the restroom while I stayed in line. And they went, and then they came back. And they're kind of snaking back to where we are. And as they're walking back, uh, a man, like, shoved my wife as she was, like, you know, getting back in line. You guys don't know me, but it was on. <laughs> Aren't you scared just because I said that? <laughs> and uh, it was like the first time that I'd experienced something like that where like somebody's messing uh, like with my wife. It's very serious. As a husband, like you're supposed to protect your wife. That's like your duty. In fact, sometimes we, we just wait for that. It's our time to rise. And it was like my time. And so... They're in line back here and told me what happened. And the kids and my kids are going, yeah, mom got shoved. And I'm like, oh, what, you know, what's going to happen? You know, and, and I just, I stare at this, this man and he's just with his family and he's snaking through the line. And I like, I do not take my stare away. I'm just staring at him the whole time. And I'm not smiling. I'm not doing anything. Basically, I'm saying, I know what you did. And I was kind of getting fired up. Now, if you were to ask me what were you going to do, I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't got that far. But I just was staring at him. And in the moment, right then, the Holy Spirit, this is what God does. He said, Alex, this is a trap. 
And I'm thinking, but, but this, is my, this is my time. <laughs> it's a trap. And I just thought about the ramifications. What am I going to do? Could you imagine? I was a pastor. Could you imagine? Pastor pulled from line. <laughs> Universal Studios for going nuts on a guy. You know, that's my version. It could be like pastor, two broken arms, wheelchair. <laughs> but that's not the version I like to play. Let me have my version. And it's a trap. It's just it's a trap. And you know what? I, at that moment, I thought, you know what, God, you're right. What am I doing? And so I shifted. I didn't stare at him anymore. And then when he came by, I actually smiled and was warm. And in that moment, from that point, like, in, like five minutes before that, he came and, and he, he was like apologetic about what had happened. And like God did that. Because if I would have tried to be like this macho guy who's going to protect my wife, I don't think that would have happened. And it was God's way of saying like, be careful. I can do things that you can't do. And that, that's a reminder. It's a trap. And there are so many traps. And that's why we have to be sober-minded. And we need to be watchful. I just want to briefly share some things. And I hope this is a help to you. But if you've ever wondered, like, when is the battle on? Like, when do, when do I know? Like, for me, I knew there were traps being laid. Like, but when do I know that? Uh, here's some things that have been helpful for me. Certain thoughts that come, you need to know the battle is on. First, if you've had thoughts that you're a terrible person, <laughs> the battle's on. If you've had thoughts that, who, who thinks that? Who does that? Who treats people like that? You're, you're being accused. If you've had thoughts that you're not strong enough to get through what you're facing, the battle's on. If you've had thoughts that life is not working out the way that you want and you're discouraged, the battle's on. If you've had thoughts that it's not worth, worth it to follow Christ, the battle is on. You ever wake up and you're in a funk and life feels down? The battle's on. If you're discouraged and you feel like you can't get ahead, the battle is on. When you feel down and apathetic, the battle is on. When you feel like you don't care and people don't care about you, the battle is on. The reason I bring this up is most of the time we all struggle with thoughts like this and we don't ever talk about it. What's going on is you are being accused. The enemy is just having his way with you. And some of these thoughts you may have had your whole life. Some of these thoughts you may have because what people have told you. And the enemy uses other people to bring us down as well. But we have enough help within ourselves. You are not alone. Think about, and this, this is like specific to the church. Do you know how many pastors have left the ministry and even worse, taking their own life? Can you imagine the lies that they've owned. And there's a lot of factors that go on, but at the core of all of it is as soon as you begin to get off track of who you are and how, who God has made you to be, you are in a battle and you have to fight. 
with the truth. And that brings to the next point. Resist the enemy with Christ's help. Be sober, you be watchful. That's key perspective. But then you have to fight yourself. In the scriptures, the word that they use is resist, 1 Peter 5, 9. It says, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The idea is, Christians, you're in a spiritual war. And when you feel under it and you feel under attack and you feel discouraged and you feel disappointed and you feel like you're comparing and you feel like there's no hope, you keep fighting. Because the same battle and the same struggles are happening to Christians throughout the entire world. We have to be sober. We have to be watchful. And then we have to resist. And you resist, according to the scriptures, by being what? Firm in your faith. And I want to briefly just walk through what that faith is. Romans chapter 3, verses 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So here's, here's the bottom line. Most of the time, our struggles are because we don't think we add up and we don't measure up. And so what the world does is like focus on yourself and your self-esteem, like build yourself up. It's actually the opposite. The more you build yourself up, the more problems you see because there's a lot of holes in yourself. There's a lot of things you don't understand you, you can't do. And so what happens is uh, we can feel shame and discouraged and then we can feel pride and really good about ourselves. And it's like this up and down, like it's good and then it's bad, it's good and bad. It's actually according to the scriptures is you don't build yourself up You build Christ up in you, and it changes you. You don't look at yourself because there's always something you're going to get. There's always a trap. You either feel too good about yourself, and you get into pride, or you feel too bad about yourself, and you get into shame, and you're on the roller coaster. That's what the scriptures are saying is you've all, all of us have fallen short. We're sinners, and we fall short of the glory of God. So very interesting. If you want to deal with, like, the right self-image, You are messed up, and so am I. Why would I ever go to that guy for counseling, right? But it doesn't end there. I want to talk about just a few of these words. Sinned, missed the mark. Have you sinned? Man, you guys are real quiet. Yes, you have, and so have I, and so has everybody. That's what the Scriptures say. Then it says, fall short of God's glory, this is uh, the honor due his, his name, the measure of what is right. All of us have fallen short because we're not right according to God's rightness and we're not good according to God's goodness, okay? Any of you guys watch the Olympics? Anybody? It's like, what channel was it on? Who knows, right? But here's an event, the pole vault. This is a very interesting event. Watch this. This is what it means to fall short of God's glory. That's you (laughs) and me. That's all of us. We're great. We know we can handle it. We got life. We got what we're not supposed to do. And snaps can't support us. We fall short of rightness. We fall short of goodness. We fall short of grace. Why? Because we're sinners. We've messed up. And his glory is all-powerful. It's all-knowing. It's never-changing. All the things that he is, we, we are not. 
And what happens is often, if you go back to that scripture, Romans 3, we tend, put that up there, we tend to stay on verse 23, and that's what Satan wants to do. You're messed up. You don't measure up. You're worthless. We've messed up. You don't measure up, and you're worthless. And most people, they stay here, and this is their life. And they spend most of their, their life trying to actually earn or defeat that lie by doing more and more, like to prove their worth. Do you know how much worth humans have? They have so much worth because they were made in God's image, but it's never tied to their own resources or works, ever. Because according to his glory, we are the, that pole that snaps and we've fallen short. The scriptures say, but we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Uh, when it says justified, what it means is that you're declared righteous. It's a legal term. And God is saying, you are right. You are okay. I've declared you that, and it is so. It's final. You don't have to add anything to that. You don't have to pull out your credentials. You don't have to pull out your resume. But God, I really am. I'm getting better. No, I've declared you righteous because of what my son did. And that's the rest of it. I've been giving you grace. You're free by his grace. It means undeserved favor. Grace is never deserved. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's free. This is the benchmark of Christianity. And that redemption came by Christ Jesus. Uh, the redemption is the price was paid. So go back to verse 23. All have sinned. Because of sin, we deserve death. That's justice. God is pure. He's holy. And a payment needs to be made. But because we can't pay the payment, because it's not good enough, because we fall short of the glory of God, another payment was given. And God himself, out of his love and kindness, gave us Jesus. The only payment that could be made, he paid in full, and he declared us righteous because of Jesus. And the grace and the redemption, the price is paid. And it says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Uh, that atonement literally is like it's a cover of our sin. The, the, the picture is he sent his son Jesus, and while we were still sinners, he died. And the sin that has marred all of us and messed us all up, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. Like it, it's, it's covered. You can't see it. It's covered. The payment has been paid. And Jesus took that on because he loved us. The reason I bring this up is half the time the battles are in how worthless we are. And you're under attack. And the enemy's saying, you are worthless. You messed up again. You said something and you did the opposite. You let that person down again. That thing that you said you wouldn't do, you did again. How could you? You call yourself a Christian? Wow. You're worthless. You're scum. And we begin to think this. That's true. Yeah. I, I. And the scripture, what he's saying is, is you resist firm in your faith, realizing you have nothing to combat the enemy with except the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. That is the only thing you have. And it is exactly what we need. 
So you think about the mercy and the love of God. He made us. He gave us life. He wants to know us. Through our sin, we rebelled against him. And even in his love, he said, you know what? Your rebellion, you're off track. You're gone. And there's nothing you can do. But I will do what has to be done. I will pay for your sin. And I'll bring you back. And that's why it goes by that. If anyone confesses Jesus Lord, what it means is if anyone says, yes, Jesus is who he said he is. And he did what he did. He died for me. You've now been covered by the grace that he gave. Think about this. Like if you think about it like in a big picture, like God did everything that was needed. There's not any religion that I know of that the problem and the solution is so clear cut and it's not connected to our own merit. Do you know how freeing that is? Because we still mess up. By God's grace, we grow, we, we can change, but we still mess up. So I'm gonna close with what does this mean? If this is true, if the victory has been given, the payment has been paid, what do we do when we have all these thoughts that take us off track? We need to do this. We need to appropriate Christ's victory on the cross to defeat certain things. Uh, appropriate means to devote to a special purpose. That is like you, you use the truth for something in a specific way. And so I just want to walk through like some specific things. This may not be exactly relevant to you, but what God wants to do is for you to, to realize like, okay, because of what Christ has done, there is victory and I have to battle my thoughts with what God's word says. So I'm just going to give you some examples, but uh, we want to help you as a church. Like we want, we do groups and we, and I encourage you, if you've not signed up for a group, part of what's helpful is you get in God's word for yourself and then you hear people's struggles and how God's words help them. And it's like, he's helping them. He can help me. I'm not alone. And you need that. You have to have that. So if you struggle with a, a defective self-image, uh, Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is what you say. You, I'm justified, again, declared righteous before God through Christ. I reject whatever that is in the name of Jesus Christ. I reject shame in the name of Jesus Christ, I reject it because I have no shame because God sent Jesus to cover my shame. I will not let shame label me. If you have bitterness towards somebody and bitterness is very real and it chokes the life out of us, check out what Jesus did. Luke 23 says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. This is him on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. He's being executed. If anyone had a right to be bitter, executing a pure, blameless man, the son of God. And he says, Father, forgive them. And so you appropriate that for the bitterness that you face, and you forgive. And so you say something like, I forgive this person's name, just like I am forgiven of my sins 
only by God's grace and the victory won on the cross through Jesus Christ. If you struggle with bitterness, oftentimes at the root is that, is unforgiveness. And there's two types. You make a decision to forgive, and that happens in a point of time, and then there's emotional forgiveness, which you have to wrestle with over time. You're still going to struggle with bitterness if somebody's really wronged you. So what this is saying is, like, you don't ignore that. But what it is is Jesus paid the price for that, just like he paid the price for your sin. And so you, you forgive them. You, you let it go. You release it. And the bitterness can't take root anymore. And you declare it. And when I talk about declaring it, I really mean it. There's so many times I think something, I'm like, I have to reject that in the name of Jesus. And you just have to reject it as it comes in. Anxiety and worry, we talked about this last week. Philippians 4, this is something you say. Go ahead and throw that up there. It says, I'm declared righteous through Jesus Christ. My deepest need has been met. God will do what is best for me in whatever area you're struggling with. I put my trust in him and not myself. You declare it. You say it because it's true. And you have to tell yourself the truth. And then when misunderstood or misrepresented, if you feel like people have wronged you or they've taken your reputation and they, they've slandered you, again, the enemy's all in that. He'll do what he can to mess with your reputation. But when you're misunderstood or misrepresented, another example of Jesus, 1 Peter 2, it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And so you say something like this. Throw that on there. It says, God, you are in charge of my reputation. I don't have to defend myself because my hurts can be healed by your sacrifice on the cross. Help me to trust you as you work things out for my good. The world will tell you, you get back at that person. They did that to you, you do it to them. And it never ends, because then they want to do the same back to you. Same with bitter. You just, just kind of stew on things, and you rehearse, and you rehearse, and you make them pay, and you make them pay, and you make them pay. It's just taking you in the wrong direction, and it's pulling you down. We have to appropriate Christ's victory in each of these areas. So in, in closing... And you don't have to answer this. But what's yours? What's your struggle? Where's the battle for you where the enemy keeps getting you? You're not alone. You don't have to fight alone. And so if you need prayer, let us know on the connection card. I'm available after the service. If you need me to pray for you, I'll pray for you right on the spot. And we'll declare some things in the name of Jesus. You can be healed. God will give you victory as you trust in him. And if you're not a follower of Christ yet, that's the most important decision you can make. Decide today, I will follow Christ. Come talk to me after the service. Mark on your connection card, I want to follow Jesus. And we'll help you take those next steps. So I'm going to invite the band up. Thank you guys for being with us today. We're going to receive our offering in a moment, but I want to just mark some next steps that you can take. And you can mark these on your uh, connection card. Uh, first is memorize 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. One of the greatest things you can do to fight is to have scripture from memory that you can declare. I need to be sober-minded. I need to be watchful. Why? Because the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for something to devour. Resist him. And you just put that to memory. Uh, The second next step is appropriate Christ's victory on the cross to deal with. So I asked you, what is it that you struggle with? What is it? Mark that on the connection card. We'll pray for you. Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it regret? Is it doubt? Is it anger? Is it rage? Is it bitterness? I don't know what it is for you. I have mine. But what is it for you? Write that down. We'll pray for you. And then next week, come back for our new series, Back to uh, the Basics. And so this will lead into that, which is how do you grow spiritually and and how do you fight? And so we're going to spend five weeks looking at how do we develop spiritual disciplines so that we can actually be battle ready. So I encourage you, come back next week for this new series. Does anybody know what happens on a new series? We have donuts. So if you're like, I don't even care about the content, I want a donut, you're welcome here. And then last but not least, invite someone to join you here. Invite somebody to join us next week. See what God will do. But people can't come unless they're invited. So I encourage you, extend that invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. And we do thank you that we have truth to battle lies. And not only that, we have a person. We have Jesus Christ. And because of him and what he did, we are healed. And we have hope. The world and the enemy himself distract us and try us to get caught in trivial issues, try us to get focused on things that don't actually lead to life. They lead to death. So Lord, help us to untangle our brains and our hearts of the things that are not important. God, I pray for people right now battling shame in the name of Jesus. Will your grace defeat shame? And we pray against shame in the name of Jesus. We pray against discouragement in the name of Jesus. We pray against bitterness in the name of Jesus. We pray against doubt and any questioning spirits in the name of Jesus. And we declare that you have done everything needed for us to conquer sin. And you have paid the price. And so we praise your name. We honor you as the rightful king. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.